it is showtime. Dr. Alicia Barber, thank you for joining us. Uh, can you please uh, introduce yourself and tell everybody who you are? Well, thanks for inviting me, Bob. I really appreciate it. Um, my name is Alicia Barber. Uh, I'm a historian, an urbanist, uh, an author, um, a consultant, and uh, an educator. And um, I'm very, very interested in issues relating to, to Reno's development. Um, I'm a trained by PhD um, American Studies scholar. So I, uh, I really love to think about American culture and um, our cultural geography and our connection to place. So that's, I guess, kind of a summation of, of, of who I am and the things I'm interested in. Well, you are the the Reno historian. I mean, let's let's be honest. I mean, there there's people who know a lot about Reno, but you, are. you did a dissertation and a, and a whole book on it. Can you talk a little bit about that? Um, I did, and it was on you know a, a very kind of focused um, look at at Reno and its history and its development. Because as you say, there are a lot of people who know a lot uh, about Reno's history. I got interested, as you mentioned, when working um, on my dissertation. I was at University of Texas at Austin. Um, and I was very interested in the West and in cities in the West, and in particular, their relationship to their history um, and also their identity, their image, um, and what remained of uh, you know, their Western identity as cities became more and more alike. But narrowing that focus, I got really interested in Reno as an example of a place that, as it seemed to me in the late 90s and early 2000s when I was looking at it, um, wasn't really retaining a strong sense of its heritage, you know, on its landscape, um, or really kind of in the whole sense of the identity of the city. And I wondered why that was. So that's what I that's what I wrote about. That became my book, um, Reno's Big Gamble. And it really is those questions of a city and its identity and the sense of place that people feel there uh, and how connected that is to the city's history that that really interests me a lot. Yeah, and, and Reno seems to be a, a city that seems to have a uh, a mixed identity or a, an identity that's kind of always evolving or changing. Uh, what can you say about that? Yeah, I mean, I, what's interesting about its history when you look at it is that there's always been an interest in trying to capture the new, right? Trying to get new business, trying to evolve or even cater to what certain business interests wanted, whether it was tourism or gambling or the divorce trade. Uh, and in turn, kind of shaping the landscape to accommodate that and taking the risk. The name of my book is Reno's Big Gamble. And that gamble really was that this will pan out, you know, that these concessions that we're making or that these changes we're making to the landscape, um, the movement toward this kind of business is going to end up being worth it. You know, it will be something that will have been a good investment and a good decision in, in the long run. Um, what has happened a little bit is that we did actually end up transforming downtown Reno in particular entirely to accommodate hotel casinos, right? Block size hotel casinos, which actually, when you look at it from a historical perspective, weren't actually very successful as a whole, the extent to which they were constructed for very long. And that really kind of placed Reno's downtown in, a, in the point of really needing to be revitalized because a lot of it wasn't working the way that it had been shaped. Are these decisions being made about Reno's development real in the best interests of the city? And that's really what has led me kind of to, you know, the kind of things I'm doing now, which is trying to get more public involvement and awareness in decisions that are being made about the shaping of our landscape. 
And you recently launched the Barber Brief, uh, which is on Substack or is a Substack. I'm not sure of the correct terminology. <laughs> and talk about that. I mean, that, it seems like that's kind of your vehicle now to to accomplish what you just mentioned. Sure. Uh, yeah, I I had been long looking for some kind of a, a mechanism. You know, I kept thinking, like, how do we get more public involvement? How do we do it? And because I've been doing this kind of work for a long time. I mean, I was I was teaching, but I got very involved in actual policy related to Reno. I served on the Historical Resources Commission for nine years. I've worked with planners. I've worked with architects. You know, I've really, I've worked on city policy. So I know those processes, you know, and I've very much always paid attention to what is happening with the city. Uh, and I tried to sort of get the word out. I'm a researcher. I've tried to give historical context, but the ways that I've been doing that have been, um, kind of limited. You know, I, I would send emails to my friends and people that I knew. Uh, I would occasionally write an op-ed. You know, I had a blog where I would put kind of background about things and what's happening next. And I always felt like I just wasn't really getting the word out enough, you know, or I wished I had a broader reach. So when I discovered Substack, it finally seemed like, ah, you know, this is the mechanism. I can actually have a newsletter people can sign up for for free. It goes directly to them. You know, it doesn't have to be sort of through um, any other kind of media. And then it's also available on their website, you know, so anyone can access that at any time and I can continue to update things. And that has seemed to work out really well. It allows me to go a little more into depth and provide a lot of links, you know, provide a lot of connections to other information. I mean, I'm not a journalist, so and I don't pretend to be. So I link to news stories, you know, that have been written about these specific issues so people can read up, you know, on what other people have written about them and get different perspectives. But I can link directly to this, the documents, you know, that have been submitted to the city, to the plans for a development, um, you know, to explanations of what the city code is, link directly to the Reno master plan, you know. So I really love this platform as a way to be able to get all that information in, in a concise way. Because as someone who is a former academic, I'm not used to being brief. I've called it the barber brief, uh, you know, because I it can't be that long, you know, people don't want to read that much. So it's a real challenge to try to pack a lot of information into a small space. But, you know, it, I think it's a good challenge and, I, and I've, I've had some good feedback on it so far. Yeah, well, I, I pulled one up. So just for, for those who are not uh, subscribers yet, it's uh, thebarberbrief.substack.com. And uh, you'll be prompted to uh, subscribe or you can just, you know, start reading them. And I, there's like a list. Um, but the one I pulled up that I thought was fascinating, we've been hearing a lot about this development at the the Pounding District. Did I pronounce that? Pounding? Pounding, okay. right. Mm -hmm. well, well, let's talk about what is the Pounding District, first of all. Well, the Pounding District was an early housing tract, actually. It dates back to the 19th century, and it was developed and named for, um, developed by C.C. Pounding uh, and named for him. Uh, and that's really how Reno developed by these housing tracts. You know, there was the well, there's Wells addition, right? The pounding addition, uh, moral. These are kind of the older ways that people were used to describing neighborhoods. Neighborhoods that we have it has some of the oldest homes uh, and buildings. Some of them date back to 1900 and even a few from before 1900. So um, it was developed uh, early on with Queen Anne Victorians. Um, and it's actually a neighborhood that is formally designated by the city of Reno as a historic district, as a conservation district. And that happened in 2009. 
And that was a way of indicating that this is a place that is worthy of, of preservation, of awareness. Um, so it's a, it's a very important neighborhood in our city's history and just in the landscape. And it's just beautiful, beautiful, beautiful neighborhood. What's happening with the Pounding District now? So an apartment building has been proposed and actually the permit has now been issued, although it's being appealed. That district actually has just had a new zoning code um, accepted and, and approved and embedded in the city code that only limits any new development to two and a half stories high with a uh, pretty low density because this is really a, a neighborhood of one and two story residence is really single family homes. But, um, you know, there's, there's a couple things that have been built, you know, and more kind of contemporary that are sort of infill, but they're really in keeping with a scale. This building um, is, is larger, it's taller than the new code allows. And the, but it's allowed because this code was just adopted in January. And so this is something that um, is, is sort of a tricky thing because the Pounding Conservation District was always intended as something that to be preserved, right? To preserve the character of, of this particular neighborhood. And so there have been efforts since that was first established in 2009 to try to establish and embed into the city code some limitations on just the size, you know, the scale, the density, the height of new development that it finally kind of came into, into fruition with the code that was just adopted in January. But there is a grace period um, to where any... Um, developments that were either applied for before that point or in the next year can actually choose to abide by either code. Uh, and so by next January 2022, nothing of this height or this density will be able to be constructed in the county district. Well, the question of what what is appropriate building um, for the scale for that neighborhood isn't up for debate anymore. You know, it's already been decided. It's been decided and embedded in the code. We're just kind of in this grace period, right, where where developments could go either way. But the second thing about this is actually a little more kind of legally fraud. And I think this is actually the, the basis, really, of the appeal put in um, for the build, building permit is the use of Washington Street. Building on the lot has always been something that was intended. And in fact, back in 2005, 2006, there was a project that was proposed for that site called Ponte Vecchio. It was going to be 11 condos, um, a couple stories high, um, and it and it needed more parking. If you've been down there, you know that parking's kind of an issue, right? Uh, what, I'm, what I'm hearing is that the, the concern is uh, the the character of the neighborhood and what this new development could do to that. Is that, that's, that's number one. And then I believe you said it, it's been appealed. Is that correct? Appealed, right. Um, the building permit's been appealed um, on okay. the basis really of some sort of difference, you know, uh, on the basis of some, some different parameters, which is the use of Washington street and parking and some things affiliated with that. This is a new project. Um, that came in to suggest a much taller, broader, wider building. And instead of using Washington Street for just surface parking, surface angled parking, leaving the street visually open, right? But just using surface parking, the new project will build the four-story building all the way on top of the street, over the street, completely to, and actually into a little bit of adjacent Lunsford Park, which is a small park there. It has the, actually the pounding edition historic marker in it. It's a, it's a cute little 
park right there. You know, they took us the abandonment of that street, which got attached to their parcel and has for the last 15 years apparently been privately owned, although it's been open as a, you know, functional city street. Um, and instead of using it for the purpose for which they intended and approved when they abandoned it and gave it to that parcel, they're building over it. They want to actually build on it. And that is the question of, well, it's certainly a betrayal of the intent of city council when they abandoned that street in the first place, and certainly also of the neighbors um, who were generally not too objectionable to that notion of allowing it to be close to the public, but still open, you know, still a visually open street. Now what's being proposed um, is to basically build a four-story building all across and end Washington Street at Jones, which is the one right up from Riverside Drive. And, you know, basically block the whole street, you know, block block the view and everything. So there's a lot of concern about it um, and a lot of heartbreak about it too. So, you know, I really would would love for the developers to sort of voluntarily decide to, you know, kind of abide by what the city's intent was, both for that street abandonment and for new development in the neighborhood. I don't know if they'll do that, um, but I think that we'll kind of see how these appeals go. So it's just really unfortunate. I mean, that, you know, that, that historic district... It's tough because in Reno, we don't have a lot of historic districts, right? We have three actual designated historic districts. The Pounding Edition is one. Uh, the Wells Avenue uh, Conservation District is another. And then the Newlands Historic District is actually a National Registered District. And I think sometimes people look at houses like the ones that are there in Pounding, and they just, they're not grand Victorians, you know, right? They're not like the houses up on California Avenue. Um, they're not like the... Francisco Victorian that some people sort of have in their mind when they think of historic buildings. But this is this is what Reno, you know, was in 1900 to 1910. It's remarkable that mm -hmm. the houses have been preserved, that the character of this beautiful tree-lined area, and the, and the project would take down a lot of these mature trees too. It's remarkable that it's been preserved this long. And so it would just, it would just be such a sad thing um, for that to really, you know, be more than to take away from that character. So that's really what that that issue is about. You know, it had seemed that maybe there wasn't a great deal of institutional memory of kind of remembering why we have certain laws or, you know, why we have certain districts or what that has meant in the first place. And so, you know, I've had some really nice feedback from city council members who have said, you know, thank you for, for showing us this research, you know, and kind of explaining this to us. And that's my intention. You know, it's not to criticize city hall. It's not to criticize developers, you know, it's really just to get more information out there so people can make informed decisions. And um, that's been really gratifying is to see that, you know, there have been people, our elected officials, you know, our city staff who've, who've, you know, who appreciated getting that background. Barber briefs are very thorough and, and, and you know, they're deep dives into very uh, specific issues. So I really appreciate it. And you have clips from, you know, the old, uh, you know, meeting minutes and, you know, newspaper articles and things like that. So uh, we are running out of time, Alicia. And so again, that's the barberbrief.substack.com. Uh, any final thoughts before we wrap up? Uh, I guess just that I'm 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 just grateful for this opportunity, you know. I mean, I think it's it's really something that I believe in very strongly is this idea of public input, you know, and that the the public has a say in what's happening in the city. There's not a lot of people, uh, if any, really, who are paid to kind of look out for, you know, the public interest, and so that's where I hope I can fit in and encourage others to do the same.
I really appreciate it. I appreciate you. You've been on the podcast before, it's been, although it's been a number of years. Um, so it's great to catch up with you. You um, too. Thank you so much. Any any it's final uh, any final pitches or or something that we may have missed? I really, I really want this to be you know free and available, and that was sort of the whole point. But um, we're looking into a couple of possibilities, some some ways to kind of um, help make it something that I can fit in more easily as into into my days with my with my day job. Thank you so much. Really appreciate it. Thank you.